Once again, to After Further Review with Mark Ferreira and John Pelkey. I am John Pelkey. Mark Ferreira joins me, as does Jeff Taylor on the board, the man who makes all of this happen. We certainly hope you're enjoying your sequester, your isolation, whatever you want to call it. We've got a good show today on the pod. I'm going to say that. I usually set the bar low, but I'm going to say we have a good show on the pod today. We're going to talk about a story in the Washington Post about uh, small revenue sports and how all of this uh, coronavirus issue shutdown is going to affect them and how perhaps schools can mitigate that. We're going to talk about uh, the uh, over-under on wins in the NFL. That came out of Vegas this week, and it is pretty interesting stuff. And we'll also dive into our poll question, which I uh, really enjoyed. And thanks again to Laura Luke for throwing this one out there for us. And that is players that you love to hate. And there, we, we got some interesting responses to that, Mark Ferreira. Welcome yes. to you, Jeff. Yes. Welcome to you. Thank, Thank you, Johnny. Welcome. Thank you. That was an outstanding introduction. Well Thank done. You. You've I, set I the table well. I, I try my best. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I thought uh, the, the poll question uh, we, were, we were discussing a little bit earlier and some really interesting results, not only some interesting names, but uh, some omissions that we find pretty interesting. So that Well, we'll get to it, and it's a lot of fun and, uh, you know, a lot of surprises. It covers a lot of ground, but there is some ground it doesn't cover at all, and we'll – We'll certainly get to that. Yeah. I do want to bring up something, though, that's uh, it's a little inside baseball, but it has to do with two out of the three people on this show, Jeff's nephew and my nephew. And oh, boy, Jeff, the nephew show. It is. Show Just, seven, the nephew show. Yes, it we is. We title these. We put them on up. We should title them. This is the the nephew show. I like it. We should title them. Absolutely. So can can we title these things, Jeff? Absolutely, we can do? title them. It's it's easy. It's easy to do, and it's something I will start doing. All right. Now, two thirds of them will be titled, eh. but uh, out, outside of that, this one's the nephew show. Yes. Uh, well, some of them, yeah. You, you may want to skip this one. You know that. <laughs> so let's uh, start with you, Jeff, and your nephew, AJ. Some big news that happened uh, during the last episode two days ago, Wednesday. He's uh, he's committed to Florida State University. He's been uh, projected as the number eight outfielder in the state, which uh, in the state of Florida is a big deal. And excited to see him go play at the best uh, school uh, in northern Florida. (laughs) Wow, I was was waiting on the edge of a knife to pounce on you. but uh, I'm going to have to allow that depending on where you consider north Florida. Historically, though, Johnny, they they. They have a pretty good baseball program. Yeah, so does Florida. The schools in Florida traditionally have very, very – there's so much baseball talent. And uh, to receive uh, grant and aid to go play at uh, Florida State – you're you're pretty darn good baseball player. Ace in the state. I'll say this: Florida was also on his. Uh, he was on their radar, and he went and uh, didn't get the SATs. No, his father probably ACTs. would have uh, disowned him had he chosen really? the Gators. They really, really liked that program, and they really yeah. liked the facilities. But uh, my my brother-in-law is a Florida State guy through and through. It would have been a difficult. Uh, I have no problem with that. House Honestly, divided. even as a Gator, I think that's great. Yeah, I love exciting. I love the idea that you can carry on a legacy of school that you know your family is into. Yes, even so, though it's the wrong one to choose. So, uh, Jeff, this is uh, he's the eighth best outfielder 
in, in the state of Florida, Florida. In the state. Yes. So if you think about the three big programs, and they all have had historically some very good years, yep. uh, Miami, Florida, and FSU, that's nine. That's nine outfielders right there. So by definition, he's an automatic starter. I hope yeah. so. It's going to be great. Probably. Yeah, probably. Also, remember, uh, some of those guys, uh, an even better chance that because I'm sure a couple of those guys go straight to the minors. So that's that's outstanding news. Congratulations to him. College baseball is one of the great underappreciated sports. And even though I still have a little issue with the dink every time the aluminum bat hits, uh, I spent a lot of time watching baseball games when I was at Florida. And uh, I think college baseball is terrific. Congratulations I to agree. your nephew. Thank well you. done. Thank you very much. And my nephew, former producer of After Further Review, Brian Winnegar, who produced our show uh, when it was um, on the air in 2012 and on the air from 2014 to 2016 for 810, the uh, terrestrial radio station here in Orlando. Now uh, Brazilian but, music. If you now, Braz- now Brazilian music. If you'd like to uh, check out some uh, some very good. Uh, we both agree on It's that. toe-tapping. It, it really it's happy. is. It's hard to be unhappy when you're it, listening to Brazilian music. It real. If you get down, if you feel overly anxious about your sequestration, yes. <laughs> if you will, uh, turn on A10. You know, we're just giving them all kinds of love because that is no, happy, whatever. Happy those, and those guys who own that station were very, very nice to us. They were very sweet. They were very Good generous, guys. really, to us. Uh, they, you know, they really extended the welcome mat far beyond yes. what we deserved, in my opinion. Absolutely. But congratulations uh, to Brian, too. But but Brian, yes, exactly. He uh, is a new dad for the first time. First time dad. And that happened right before the show Wednesday as well. That's great. Uh, Noah. Noah William Winnegar. Noah. How about that, man? He's a he's a brand new dad. I'm going Suzanne, to. And he met Suzanne at the station. He met Suzanne because of after further review, John Pelkey. I'm going to use this wow. stuff sparingly, but. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> that, that was before social distancing, people. Those folks had not did not gather together for that. After further review, supports social distancing. Now, now he was working for the station, and they did a lot of other shows besides After Further Review. So I should probably clarify. It's probably a little bit of a stretch to say it's because of After Further Review, but it's certainly because he was there at that station, and she was an intern, and the rest is uh, the rest is history. It's now, because Noah, of After Further Review. Let's not yeah, let's I, not get humble. I'm just going to go with, just gonna go with that. I don't think anybody's going to do the deep dive into the history of eight ten mark, and then you know. Sign on to the Gmail. Ah, Ferreira! That's uh, just not true. She had nothing to do with after further review. We don't want that to happen. Good stuff. No, I don't think it would. I, I, I shouldn't have even brought it up. You're right. Hey, right. Uh, while, we're, uh, while we're chatting, before we jump into our uh, progressive trivia for the day, and uh, should let people know, Jeff and I do not know what the progressive trivia is. We will not be guessing on air, Jeff. If we think we know, we're going to text Mark, and he'll let us know. And you can say on the air, Mark, but Jeff or John's gotten it. Or you ha- they haven't got it right, but we want to give people till the end of the show to be able to guess, and they can feel good about themselves if they get it after the first couple of clues. Great, indeed, perfect. All right, so before that pops up, though, I want to talk just a little about because we took, you know, we're all in isolation, we're all doing the same thing. I yes. have had a couple of sports viewing things that I've done over the last couple of days. I watched the end of Field of Dreams, um, which uh, just a. Just at the point where they pick up uh, the young Moonlight Graham while he's hitchhiking. Spoiler alert. Uh, while he's hitchhiking. And uh, watched it all the way through to the end. And it really holds up. It really holds up in my mind. And, and the speech that um, uh, is given by, uh, uh, oh gosh, uh, Voice of Ray Darth Ray Liotta. No, no, no. Uh, Voice of Darth Vader. Uh, great. James, uh, Earl, James Jones. Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. Yeah, that speech about baseball, Ray. 
America's moved on like a steamroller. Bad James Earl Jones. But uh, that that's just that's still one of the great, great film moments of all time. Great film. And last night I watched the second half of the 96 Rose Bowl, uh, Northwestern and USC. What a great football game. You love you love Pac. Uh, well, that was Pac-10, I believe. That was Pac-10 for sure. I love West Coast college football. You really do. Johnny. I really do. That's the one place I you know, Mark, I am East Coast centric that when I you really are at you. Uh, in 1999, and we talked about the fact that you were from California, I said, look, I'm East Coast-centric. Honestly, uh, the only thing I know west of the Mississippi is sea monsters. And you pointed out that there there was a lot uh, between uh, and, west of the and, Mississippi. And you also said, I'm, of from, I'm from Virginia, home of presidents. Mother you're, of presidents. Mother you're, of presidents. You're, you're from California where they just burned down missions. Yeah, that's it. You just, while we were forging a country, you were burning down missions. But, and, uh, and they built missions, John. I mean, the, the I, history is they about built that. missions. I don't think we have time to get they, into that. But. No, they, they probably burned down indigenous communities to build those missions. Well, well, it's the American way. It is. Yes, Come it on. Is. Yeah, I know. So uh, so that was really fun to watch that because Northwestern, if you remember that year, they came out of nowhere. And my friend David Lowe now, who went to uh, dentistry school, is an orthodontist at Northwestern, is just digging all of this. Uh, And we were chatting actually earlier about that. He was at that game. Uh, Wow. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely, because he was in, I believe he was in dental school up there at that point in time. But uh, that was Northwestern came out of nowhere, and they upset Notre Dame. And I think it was the opening game of the season, and it was considered this enormous upset. And Steve Schnurr, the quarterback, and Gary Barnett, who was the coach at Northwestern at the time, were both on all of the morning shows on Monday following that victory. Today's show, Good Morning America, talking about what a, what a huge upset was. And about five weeks into the season, we realized it wasn't an upset at all. Northwestern was a better football team than Notre Dame. Well, and it's interesting because they won two consecutive Big Ten titles, but the second year they tied Ohio State. and they, Without uh, playing head-to-head. Without playing head-to-head. They, they didn't play head-to-head that year. And uh, they both lost one game in conference. And because of the rule that if— The team you know, that had, had been there—hadn't uh, had, been there the most— uh, recently, and that's such a, such a hard sentence to come up with, would go unless, of yeah. course, had they played head-to-head, the winner would have gone if they ended up with the same. But yeah. as it was, if they didn't have, if they didn't play each other, and I like that rule, actually, from the I know. Time. I mean, I like the intent of the rule. I agree. But it's like I said to you when we were texting about this, is that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. There's a lot of good intentions for that particular rule, obviously, so other uh, schools get a chance. But with a team like Ohio State... You know, it is a very – it's a big anomaly when another team sure. They've been wins to the Rose out Bowl outside like of Michigan. 40 you know? times, and, and Northwestern, that was their like second Rose Bowl ever. So you yeah, would have thought, hey, it would be nice to them to yeah. go back. And they but, happened to just go the year before, and so because of that rule that was created for all the right reasons, they – Lost out to, oh, by the way, Ohio State, and they got to play – Northwestern got to play in the Citrus Bowl. So that's – Yeah, but that's, you know, for the sad. Northwestern kids – the Northwestern kids who were undergraduates in 96 and still played on the team in 97, I, I think the one thing that you can say about that is they, they took a share of the Big Ten title. They, they're actually considered uh, you know, Big Ten champions. Sure, and they got sure. a different bowl experience. And how many Northwestern football players at that point, I don't know that any had ever gone. Going back to Otto Graham, who played at Northwestern in the 40s, I don't think any of them had an opportunity to go to two different bowl games. So, you know, let's – Let's try to be positive. I know that goes against brand for me, but uh, that was just fun to watch. And it was a great football team against they were third ranked team in the country. And uh, USC was 17th ranked. And that was the Keyshawn Johnson USC team. Yeah. Coached that, by John Robinson. Um, and they hung and was, in. 
They yeah, hung in that game for a long time. Game. They went up in that game. In fact, they scored a touchdown that I think brought would have brought them within a couple with the extra point with about a minute 15 left. And then there was a, a penalty that was called. There were a couple of penalties against Nor- uh, Northwestern that, uh, boy, sure did look like home or penalties. Uh, I was rooting hard, man. I was rooting hard for Northwestern because I'm, at, you know, certainly at the time not an SC fan. I was back out in California for a spell. And uh, only recently have I become kind of a USC fan in the sense because I've been on the East Coast for so many years. You just root for right. you, you root for the conference. But I was it, they were a huge rival, in my opinion to uh, Stanford and to UCLA and everything else. So and I, Northwestern, I, you know, it, it, we're both, both you and I uh, are performers and it's, it's a great theater school. We used so to be, we used to be, of, well, that's true. We'll never work again in our chosen field uh, school. And, and it's also, I, I don't know about you, but I, I was raised to, to root for underdogs. And even though Northwestern was the third ranked team in the country against USC, I mean, people assumed and probably rightfully so that USC had better, athletes than uh than northwestern northwestern incredibly well coached gary barnett did a great job wish yeah. he just stayed there frankly and not gone on to colorado but uh that uh so i, I you know it, it was hard not to root for notre dame they were uh excuse me northwestern because they were they were just uh, they'd come out of nowhere and nobody you know my, my as a college football fan which i have been my entire life that was probably the first season i ever watched any northwestern football game there you go all right, we are over time, Mark, for this first segment, but it's okay. It is. Because the next segment is progressive trivia. Jeff and I do not know the answer to this progressive trivia. Set it up, Mark, and let's see if we can get it. First of all, this player is the, an NFL player. So we're going to start there. That's not a hint, by the way. That's just so you know the sport this person plays in. He went to a school in the ACC. That's your first hint. Okay. okay. Played. I have played for 13 years and have played with two different teams but signed with three. How about that? Ooh. So I went to a school in the ACC. I have played for 13 years and have played with two different teams but signed with three. So the um, the tense used in that last clue mm-hmm. is also a clue in and of itself. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Jeff, if you think you know, text it to Mark. I'll do the same. He'll let us know if we're right or wrong. But, folks, as you listen to the pod, there there you go. There are your clues. See who can get it uh, earliest. We'll have a couple more sets of clues coming up. But we want to talk right now, Mark, about a Washington Post story that uh, that I ran into that I think is very, very interesting. We talked a lot on this uh, pod so far about uh, the fact that uh, the fall sports now are very seriously looking at either truncated seasons uh, shorter seasons for any of you who signed to play at FSU. Uh, and uh, <laughs> also the possibility of not having a season. And there's right. a story in the Washington Post. And I want to give the writer of this story um, proper uh, the, the proper amount of love for having written it and, and give you his name. But I can't pronounce it because it's missing a couple of vowels. Wow. So it's Polish yeah. or Eastern European? Uh, it could be. I think it's very much Eastern European, but I'm going to try this. So so give me a second. I need to look at it for a second, Mark. Tap dance to me for a second. I'm going to try to give you my best. I will tap dance because uh, Jeff actually texted me with a guess for that progressive trivia. He guessed Ed Reed. Very solid guess. And Jeff's the one that got it right last week, by the way. So uh, I was very impressed with that, Jeff. But Ed Reed is wrong. So thank you very much. Johnny, are you ready for your pronunciation attempt? Yes. I think the name is Barry 
Sverluga. Because it's S V. Say that again. Sverluga. It's S V R L U G A. S V R L U G A. Sverluga. I reached out to the Swedish chef for uh, pronunciation. He says you're you're way off on that. (laughs) Anyway, it's a story about with. Uh, with the fact that these schools, if they don't play or they play a shorter season, obviously there's going to be a lot less revenue. And that will certainly affect those the, the football programs, the basketball programs, the big sports. But what it could really affect yeah. is the non-revenue producing sports. And we already saw, I believe it was the University of Cincinnati has announced that they are ending their soccer program. Now, yeah. from what I read, that... It was in some financial difficulty, and this is a decision that might have come at some point in the future, but obviously because of what's happened, that's expedited that decision. So the Cincinnati soccer players uh, were informed that they were n- there was not going to be any more program for them. They're they allowed to stay in school on scholarship, which I think is only fair. They're also allowed to transfer, obviously, without having to sit out a year. But this is something that could happen to gymnastics, swimming. There are so many sports that— yeah don't generate any revenue. They're revenue-draining sports. And what this story talks about is the fact that, you know, just to set the table on this a little, Mark, I mentioned this to you earlier, Ohio State has seven home games during the um, during the football season, and the revenue from those games, not including television, is 5 to $7 million a game. Right, so and if you don't get fans, you lose that. You and lose that. that right. That's if- the revenue... For the gate, not the right. TV, not the television, and that that is really about a quarter of the revenue of the sports at the athletic department of Ohio State University. And Ohio State also has a revenue-producing uh, basketball team, and I'm assuming that between basketball and football, they probably that's probably about fifty percent of their operating revenue, and everything else has to produce the rest. Um, and what uh, and what this author is uh, is arguing is that as opposed to folding those sports, which is something. As I mentioned, we've already seen and we may see more of. Isn't it about time that these head coaches, football and basketball coaches, take a cut in pay? I think and I I love that point. It's a a very good point. And uh, I think it's about three quarters of these uh, schools, Mark. And and then I I will let you make a point. I'm sorry. I I just want to say this: about three quarters or more of these states uh, of the of the United States, the 50 United States. And it's probably close to 40 of the states and maybe even greater than that. Um probably something I should have checked into the highest paid municipal employee in that state is either the football coach or the basketball coach in that state. Right. Right. And guys are making five, seven million dollars. I think Dabo Sweeney with everything in his contract, um, obviously escalators for, for, for winning and going to the, the college football playoff around $9 million is yeah. what he made a little over $9 million. So this, and this is money that could Easily, if these guys were willing to take substantial cuts in pay, and by substantial, I mean not the 5% that we've seen from a couple of guys, but 20%, 25% could really save a lot of these programs. And I, for one, would be in favor of that. Well, I love the talking point of it. I think it's a very good soundbite. I think it's a good start, but it wouldn't really do much, even if it was 50%. And I'm talking not just about the head coach, but about the assistance as well because that uh, article pointed out yes that guys making nine hundred thousand dollars as assistant coaches at, at right. ohio state that all of his assistants combined make seven something million right. and the coach makes roughly 
six or seven million. So you get you cut half of that. They take a fifty percent cut, which is quite a bit, and you've saved seven million, which is worth one game. So now you've still got six other games. So yes, it's a sure, good start. It's, yes, it's a good soundbite, but really the the problem would still exist yeah, and there would, would have be a- to be other ways to generate that missing 42 million as opposed to 49 million you know okay, what I mean? but here's here's something to think about for that okay that's that's a good point mark and i think that's very valid but here's something to think about that too if you're not having fans at the stadiums because it's it's a little bit of a of, of a number that that it's not a true there's a little gray area to the number because if you're not going to have fans in the stadium while you play the games your operating costs for that game are less you don't need as many people working the game Parking, security, logistics, all kinds of stuff. So you really are saving a little more money. So the so those numbers were were those numbers not, are the were, were those are the numbers for those a were full stadium. Numbers. Those are those, those are numbers for a, numbers that they those are numbers for in. a full stadium. Those are the numbers of what they make for a full stadium. They're gross numbers for a full stadium. Okay, they were gross. I thought I they saw were they were, so yeah. They were, so so maybe there's another million or so per. So maybe now you've saved two games worth if you take out all the operating costs. Right. But you still have five games worth, which is still thirty-five million. Sure. And so, so how do you bring that in? Do you? Do but you, you have to accept. More? You have to accept. Here's what. Here's the thing that I think you need to, to look at. You have to accept that you're going to have a loss. The question is: Is the loss so great that you have to get rid of those non-revenue-producing uh, sports? Because. It is going to, despite what we may feel right now, it is going to come back around. More money will come into the till, and uh, there will be ways. Uh, you're, you're going to, this isn't something that's going to continue forever. We're, we'll look at it as a one season thing. So I think the universities have to look at it and say, we'll take a little bit of a loss. But I think most of these universities are doing pretty well financially, these big state universities. Um, so I think to your point, Mark, yes. It might not be as big a it might not have as big a ripple as it sounds in initially setting it up. And like many things, right. you have yeah. to go past the headline. But I do and, and think- you also have to worry, John, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but you also have to worry that there has to be proportional numbers of males and females still, regardless Absolutely. of what they do. If they 100%. cut things, you know, Title Nine, you, you have to have that. So if you're still gonna have a thirty five to forty million dollar shortfall you're either going to have to cut some programs proportionally between males and females, or you're just going to have to eat the loss, to your point, and, yeah. and, and make it up later and just, you know, little, little colleges get a bailout for sports, you know. Maybe maybe that's, you know what, maybe that's something, and I think that is something we're all going to have to come to terms with, is the fact that we're all going to have to take a loss. I am going to make considerably less money this year than I made last year. Oh, my gosh. And, I th- and that's really true for literally everyone. And they're they're even asking, you know, hospitals, which you would think are the one place where you know, the money's going to keep rolling in because so many more people are using the facility. Even hospital workers have been able to take a uh, yeah cut and pay. This is an unprecedented situation. This isn't even like 1929. This is an unprecedented situation. No, it, is. it is unprecedented. It happened overnight, essentially. Um, and, so and, they will have to take yeah. a loss. But uh, but in a larger sense, Mark, the reason I wanted to bring this up. Is in a larger sense, this entire thing that we're going through is, is a reset. I think life is full of resets. We've all had them. 
resets after a relationship breaks up, resets after a job is lost. This is a big reset. And we are in a very top-down economy, meaning that all of the money seems to be at the top and, and the idea is that it'll trickle down. And I think we've all seen that it doesn't trickle down as much as it should. And if we were ever going to look at the inequities of what we look at in college football is my favorite sport, and I love college basketball. College athletics are more important to me than professional athletics. Um, if there was ever a time to look at these inequities, now would be the time. And I, I, I have nothing against those head coaches. Make as much money as you can. But we've given generational wealth to guys, to people, at other people's expense. And I think it's time that comes to an end. I agree, and it's it's just really so interesting to me. And you know, I'll wrap it up with this: is that it's amazing how much grief athletes get for making a lot of money, and so very few people talk about these coaches. Not only what they make in proportion to what what the players are making, not only that, which is ridiculous, but the fact that to your original point, they're the top. It's it's taxpayer funded for crying right. out loud. It's taxpayer funded. You would think that the same people that bitch and moan about players and how much money they make would be screaming about this because it's taxpayer money and and the disparity is ridiculous. But no, 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 no. Oh, don't give any money to PBS. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah, You know, it's it's Nick Saban's got enough money to buy Monaco. So anyway, so I, so I just thought it was an, I thought it was an inter, I think it's, it's a great very good discussion. Article. I think it's a great discussion. And again, for berries for you. Yeah. I, and I, I'm going to post these on on the uh, the AFR uh, Facebook site. And I really, nice. really encourage everybody to read this article. And then also I'll post the article that has the uh, our next subject. We're going to get to in a minute about uh, the NFL wins, um, uh, what the over under on wins are this cool. year. But it, it's just I, I think it's a discussion. We have a lot of extra time right now. To um, to think about things. Herman Edwards said uh, yesterday, who's one of my favorite people, I've interviewed him and worked with him uh, on, on a couple of events and just just a great guy. He said, really, uh, our athletes at this point should be taking stock of, of their lives and, and looking at where um, how lucky all of us are and how much we're all going to have to make some um, sacrifices. And then I think if everybody's willing to sacrifice, it'll be better for all of us. And I think it's about time we start thinking about what's better for all of us as opposed to what's uh, better for us individually. We've had a 40-year run from that, and it's kind of left us in a bad place. I agree. That's all right. Great way to end that segment. Good job. Right. Can, I, can, I, can I ask one question before you end that segment? Of course you can. What about the professors? Could we, could we cut their salaries in half, too? Because I think that's a pretty well, big— Well, they, uh, they don't make anything near— what what that is? No, no, no. I know your side's opposed to education, Jeff. But you're right. uh, you're it, right. they don't make anything near that. You're you're right. But at the same time, they're not bringing in the same kind of revenue that the football no, team is. No, I get and, that. I get that. But here's the thing, Jeff. That football is going to bring in the revenue. That that template is set. People are going to go back. The the television numbers are still going to be bigger. And Nick Saban's still going to coach Alabama for two and a half million dollars a year as opposed to six. Because you know what? He has no other skills. He's probably never, ever been. He probably goes to the NFL if, uh, yeah, maybe, if, maybe. if he, and that's if all fine and dandy. To... But 
I think we need to get a I think we need to get a handle on all this because I think it's gotten really really out of control. Yeah, college athletics I think is a is a problem. I I really wish football would do something like the NBA has starting started to do and what baseball has always done and that's have a feeder system of professional athletes that are getting paid as opposed to utilizing college. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. 100% absolutely. I'm completely in favor of that and you're seeing that the G League for uh for, for the NBA, we have guys who were uh, prospects who were signed to go to play in Memphis and Kentucky and stuff, and they're deciding to go to the G League. So, yeah. yep, Jeff, I, we're in agreement on that. We're absolutely in agreement on that. It's time we, we get these things back together because I think it's it's gotten so out of whack uh, that it, it um, now when we find ourselves in a situation where um, the, the, the pot of money is not as large as it was uh, – Maybe those people who have taken seventy-five percent of the pot could take fifty percent and uh, a little bit, a little bit more for everybody else. It's wealth distribution, people. So if you have a problem with it, it's uh, Pelkman19 at aol dot com. Come at me. Well, hold on a second. Well, give me, give me that one more time. I need to. Pelkman19 at aol dot com. Right. That's right. our personal email, not Expect. even the email for for AFR, which is podcast AFR at gmail. <laughs> no, no, no. Come at me and everybody on the your who's listening. Personal your, email. My well, I blocked most of your relatives, so no one else is going to reach out to me because that's the only people those are the only people listening so all right we're uh we're, it's time to move on to our progressive trivia mark remind us of our first two clues looking for an nfl football player yes an nfl football player past or present i went to a school in the acc i have played for 13 years and have played with two different teams but signed with three so that's interesting next couple of clues coming up played in nine playoff games and one super bowl and I have over 700 receptions. Ooh, wide receiver. So there you go. Played nine playoff games, one Super Bowl. I have over 700 receptions. Went to a school in the ACC. I've played for 13 years. Played with two different teams, but signed with three. All right. If you have a guess, John or Jeff, Jeff already sent me one, please text me and I'll let you know if you're right or wrong. The first guess we had out there was Ed Reed. Not right. Johnny? All right. The next thing we want to talk about is the over and under on NFL football teams wins for the 2020 season has now come out. And it is really, really interesting. Uh, I just texted to Mark and I I got it wrong, folks. It's not Vernon Davis. Uh, All right. So here we go. The over under on teams in the NFL. And I want to start with the top five teams first, Mark. And just talk a little about the top five teams uh, in the uh, over uh, under for wins are the Ravens, Chiefs, Saints, 49ers, and inexplicably, Cowboys. Of those uh, four teams, uh, five teams, Ravens, Chiefs, Saints, 49ers, and Cowboys, four of them have been projected to win fewer games than they did last year. Yeah. Which is really interesting to me. The Ravens are number one. Their projected win over under is eleven and a half. They were fourteen and two last year, so that's two and a half games uh, less than last year. The Chiefs were twelve and four last year. They've been predicted to win eleven and a half. That's half game. And the half game thing—I mean, that's a bit of a push. But you know, let's stay with this. The Saints were thirteen and three last year. They're projected to win ten and a half, so they're down two and a half. The Niners. Won 13 games last year, 10 and a half down, two and a half. And the Cowboys were eight and eight last year, and they're predicted to win 10 and a half. Can we cover those first five for a minute? Are you surprised by any of that? 
I'm I'm not. And are you sure it's ten and a half for the Cowboys or nine and a half? Uh, did I get that wrong? Did I miss it? I, I think it's nine and a half, but uh, uh, it, it's quite possible. But even if it is, it's I I am not surprised at the lowering of those numbers because. Because for the simple reason that it's very hard to duplicate a 14-2 and two season, regardless right. of how good your team is, because of so many variables, as we all know, or a 13-3 and three season. So three out of those four teams either won 13 games or 14 games, and the fourth team is essentially a push. You know, when it, when it comes to Vegas, it's essentially a push. A half point to me uh, is, a, is a bit of a push, but I just think it's interesting that— So I'm uh, not surprised that the Chiefs—I'm not surprised that the Ravens, the Saints, or the Niners at all, because it is it is— asking a lot and the odds are not in your favor if you think they're going to repeat a 13 win season or a 14 win season you know because of all of the different things that could happen in the National Football League now with the with the Cowboys on the other hand with the Cowboys well uh, I think we all think they underperformed for yes and, and any I think number they will of do years. I think they will do well I think they will do better under Mike McCarthy and I'm going to take a quick look at to see if I can find that right now for the for the Cowboys nine and a half. So right, their win, where, that's fine. Their win total is nine and a half, John, and that's more than last year. They were 500 last year. I I think they're a 10 win team. Sure, I think I they think they've win. been a 10 win, a 10 to 11 win team for a long time. I'm just you know I guess I I, I guess I'm a little surprised that they. That they went to, they moved to double digits. Well, now, the only teams in double digits are the Ravens, Chiefs, Saints, 49ers, and then the Cowboys. Well, and they're nine brings, and a half, so the over all right, is, so it's close is to double, double digits. digits. It, it's as close to double digits. Uh, here's here's why I think the Cowboys thing is weird. The Packers are right. the team with the biggest drop off, according to this. They were thirteen and three last year. They're projected to nine wins. That's Obviously, a four-win yeah, differential. That's weird. That that's weird. really surprises me. I mean, I think they're a 10-win team, 10 or 11-win team. I think the Cowboys, if you look at their last like four or five seasons, Johnny, they have a good year and then a mediocre year. A good year and a mediocre year. And certainly since Dak Prescott has been there, that's been their pattern. So I say I do think because of two reasons, because of this pattern that the Cowboys have been in, for the last half decade almost, and the fact that Mike McCarthy is going to bring in some new energy and he's a, a better coach than Jason Garrett. We all agree with that. Yep. I, think they're go- I think they're going to do better, and I think 10 wins is reasonable. I think picking the over for the Cowboys at 9.5 is a pretty good bet. Okay, yeah, because the Eagles in that division, the Eagles are projected also at 9.5 wins. and Boy, that would be a lot of fun, and, and I think that's probably – what we're going to look at in that division is a bit of a dogfight there because of where the Giants and the Redskins, Giants predicted to six wins, the Skins predicted to five wins. But uh, I think, yeah, I think somebody's going to win that division at 10 and six at um, the best. More, more than likely. I, I did pick five teams, Johnny, that I disagree with their, uh, with their pick. I picked the Patriots, the Niners, the Bucks, the Chargers, and the Jets. Okay, that's outstanding. I want to talk about all of those. When we start with the uh, the one that two that I circled, which was the Patriots and the Bucks, obviously everyone's going to do that. Yes. The Patriots were twelve and four last year. They picked to win nine games this year. That's a three game differential. And the Buccaneers were seven and nine last year. They're predicted to win two, so they they get a two game uh, uh, push uh, this season. I. What this are your thoughts? Really, really, 
this is really, really interesting to me. So uh, essentially what they're saying is that Tom Brady's worth two games to the box, and the loss of Tom Brady cost the Patriots three games. Is that how you read it? Yeah, and I don't agree with that. I don't agree okay, with that. Okay, what, what's your feeling on that? I think the Patriots are not going to win more than seven games this year. I think they're going to take a huge hit without Tom Brady. And I, I know there's a lot of talk out there about, you know, it, it, it's, it's really exacerbating the discussion between who has been responsible for this unprecedented run, more so Bill Belichick or Tom Brady. And I think they're equally so. But I think there's a lot of Tom Brady haters out there, and we'll get to that in our next segment. There's a lot of Tom Brady haters out there who think he's he's a system guy, and they keep bringing up the Matt Castle year following <laughs> the 07 uh, season. And this is what I would like to say, because that is a, a piece of evidence we can point to, John. But another piece of evidence we can t- point to is what the Patriots were the year before Tom Brady was their starter with virtually the same team. And they were 5-11. and 11. They, The next year, with him as a starter, they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. All right? And then let's go to the Matt Castle thing, shall we? They won, They went 11-5 and five that year. The year before, they had 18 wins. So they dropped off seven wins <laughs> right. from one year to the next. So those are the only two real pieces of evidence we have in terms well, of trying to perceive a, uh, a difference when they're, when they're not together in terms of the system or not. My and point I think they're going to take a hit this year. My point about this is I think uh, I think this even says that Brady is is uh, worth more. I think the reason that it's only two victories more with the Buccaneers and it's three less with the Patriots is that the Buccaneers actually had more the the talent differential for the Buccaneers and the Patriots is is um, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. It's and, stark and, and failing failing uh, miserably at this point, but. He only I mean, adds two wins to the Bucs because the Bucs already have some talent there. The drop-off of a, an extra loss to the Patriots is that he was more valuable to the Patriots than he, than he is to the Buccaneers. Well, I think he'll be more valuable to the Buccaneers because if you think about it, that roster probably should have won nine or ten games last year if Jameis hadn't made some you know serious mistakes. And I think the Patriots, I think they're going to take a hit. I think they'll win seven games, eight if they're lucky. And I think the Bucs are a 10-win team. I really do with Tom Brady in there because they're loaded. I just think you should take the over with the Bucks and you should take the under with the Patriots. Okay. And the, what are the other teams that you were disagreeing with? Well, the Niners. I think they're about a 10-win team this year. They have a 10.5 as their thing. I would take the under. I think they're going to drop back a little. They lost to Forrest Buckner. They lost Emmanuel Sanders. And it's still an incredibly tough division. And it is a tougher division now because I think Arizona is going to be highly competitive. They were pretty competitive last year, and now they've got another year under their belt. They, they you know, they've had some great signings, and they're going to have some great uh, high picks. So it's going to be a brutal division. I think ten wins is. I'll be happy if the Niners win ten this year. And Vegas so I picks pick, the Rams. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, I, the, I, I think they're going to win 10. I think probably the Seahawks will pull out 11. I think the Rams will win 10. Yeah, and the Seahawks hit at 9.5. They, they were 11 wins last year, and they dropped a, 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 a game and a half. A little surprising to me there uh, because I, I think personally for me, and, and part of this is just teams that go to the Super Bowl and lose. There's generally a hangover. I would pick Seattle to win the division if I had to right now. As would I. Uh, uh, but you're right. Arizona is improved. Uh, so incredibly tough division. That's going to be interesting to see. And if if the Niners can bounce back, 
to uh, you know, and they're at ten and a half, and they win eleven games. I think uh, even though it's two fewer than last year, I think it's really great for a team that comes off of a Super Bowl loss and a yeah. tough one. I, I want, and you brought up the Jets as well. I did, John. I think they are in a position if they can get the kind of offensive line talent that should be available to them in this draft, and they've made some very good signings in terms of bolstering that line. Now, yes, it needs to mature and gel a bit, but I think, uh, I think Darnold's probably the real deal, and I think, they're, and I think they, there's some, a lot of wide receiver talent in this draft as well, which is what they need. Their defense is in decent shape. I like them to win seven or eight games this year. I like them to to, to make a push toward five hundred this year. I well, really and those do. games they're going to pick up those games according to what you're saying. Um, maybe against Patriots. I, I I don't. That's that's a strong possibility. I I do believe that, and uh, I also think the Chargers are going to have a nice year because they're set, they've got a very good roster. The the thing they need is a QB. Vegas likes them a little, and they're going to get one. Vegas well likes them a little better. They only won five games last year. They're giving them a seven and a half for this year. So essentially sitting at a five hundred team according to Vegas. So to you know, the, the yeah. point we always try to make is when, when anyone's predicted to be a five hundred team, then generally what you're looking at is uh if they're eight eight and eight, obviously a five hundred team, you're ten and six or six and ten based on maybe a couple of fluke things that happen. I one injury think here and the there. Chargers, I do think that the Chargers who are Pretty loaded roster wise. I think they will fight for a playoff spot. Is it Tyrod Taylor? Playoff spots now. Is it is it Tyrod Taylor who is the yes. uh, projected yep. to be the starting quarterback? Yes, sir. I think he's an undervalued guy. I think I he's, think gonna, he's a, yeah. I really think he's a guy who steps in and plays well. I I, I don't disagree with you. I think I think Chargers could be uh, an improved team. And it's weird to say because I think Philip Rivers is probably a Hall of Fame quarterback, and uh, I they they could be considerably better this year without him it's interesting that's a topic for another show but whether or not philip rivers is a hall of famer is a great discussion philip rivers i would would disagree with you okay all right the other thing i I, you know has the two mvps super bowl mvps i think that pushes them well over the well past philip rivers all right we can talk about this more next week but we do need to move on in the pod because there's some more interesting things i would like to point out that my favorite team is picked uh 32nd by Vegas, uh, which out of 32, which I think is uh, probably uh, probably pretty good. All right, let's move on to our next progressive trivia clue. Mark, remind us of the first four. We're looking for an NFL player, past or present, went to a school in the ACC, played for 13 years, and have played with two different teams but signed with three, played in nine playoff games, one Super Bowl, have over 700 receptions. I'm a three-time Pro Bowler. And offensive coordinators I have played for include Mike Martz, Mike Shula, and Norv Turner. Offensive coordinators I have played for include Mike Martz, Mike Shula, and Norv Turner. Wow. Three-time Pro Bowler, 700 receptions, nine playoff games, one Super Bowl. Went to a school in the ACC and have played for 13 years and have played with two different teams but signed with three. So there's a hint in that clue about whether he's active or he's retired. Mm. So that could mean that he's signed with the team to play with this year and he hasn't been on the field yet. So Correct. I'm going to have to that could be the case. I'm going to have to think about that. All right. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right. I, I, a warning, folks, we're going to run over our 45 minute time today. But I think it's because we've been having a good conversation and I don't want to give short shrift to our next subject, Mark. 
And that is our poll question, which is one of my favorites. It's a good one. Thanks to Laura Luke. Athlete you love to hate, Johnny. Man. That's it. We have we are surprised by these answers, aren't we? Well, we're really surprised because there was only one guy who got more than one vote. Yep. That really shocked me. And it wasn't LeBron James. Who didn't make the list. No NBA players. The other shocking thing is there's not an NBA player on. No NBA players. How about that? Tom Brady got three and everyone else got one. And, and and the names on the list, Ed Reed, uh, Patrick Reed, apparently anyone named Reed uh, is uh, is hated. two golfers. We got two golfers. That's true. We got Patrick Reed. Who was the other golfer that uh, Sergio Garcia and Sergio, a lot of people hate Sergio. That might have been Riley Claremont, actually. Uh, but Tom Brady gets the vote. And that's not unexpected. It is not. But no one else got more than one. And we have we have seven Major League Baseball uh not players, because Joe Joe Buck is in there, and I'm well, because it was from our friend Ann Macklin. I know he right. does. I know he does multiple sports, but a lot of people hate a, Joe she, Buck. She's a Cubs fan, and she's speaking of baseball. Right. She's speaking of baseball, so I included him in the MLB hatred. Uh, but we got seven, and what I find interesting is the one the folks that are retired, or uh, or the folks that are active, or recently retired, like A Rod is recently retired, relatively. Uh-huh. You know, Puig is Puig and Harper. Uh, Joe Buck obviously still broadcasts, but we've got Ricky Henderson, Kurt Schilling, and Reggie Jackson. <laughs> and, and that's the thing, John. I don't know what yours is. I don't know who, who you're going to bring up, but it's interesting to me because for me, the hatred abates a little bit as mm-hmm. after the retirement. So whatever, it seemingly just abates for me. I'm not sure why, but yeah. it just does. I'm not sure that it I does. Get that. But obviously, with others, it does not. Reggie Jackson. I get that because the guy's no longer with the team on the field. I get that you can kind of come to – and my guy, actually, um, I like him a lot off the field, and I like him. But as a player, he was my uh, – he was the guy I loved to hate. And at, at the ESPN Club, Mark, you know, I, I mean, I went after the guy because I think he is overvalued as a player. Right. Wow. And that's Peyton Manning. Yeah, I know. It was fun to hate Peyton Manning for a couple of reasons for me, and I think Peyton Manning's a great quarterback, and I, I, I think he's great on commercials, and I, I, I don't have anything personally against him. But he went to Tennessee. I went to Florida in the midst of the Spurrier uh, era at Florida. He never beat us, um, and I shouldn't say us. He never beat Florida, and uh, but he still got all of the accolades, um, to, and that just it just bothered me. That that just. No, I know. Really, really bothered me. You've hated you hate him. You think Trevor Lawrence is a bust? It's uh, you know Trevor to Lawrence get will be a bust. You heard it here first. He will be. A, do not take Trevor Lawrence. He's a to, fourth round talent at best. <laughs> well, Russell Wilson was a was a uh, third round pick, and Tom Brady was a sixth round pick. So you know, fourth round could work. No fourth uh, round talent. They were all. They were both first round talents. talents. Taken, taken late, right. Okay. He is a fourth-round talent who will be picked in the first round. Before I give you mine, John Pelkey, would you like to listen to some of our respondents and how they phrased who they hated and how it came out? Because a couple Let's of them are, are, are quite, are quite uh, entertaining. Good morning, guys. It's Jane. Love the show three times a week. It's awesome. My sports star to hate would be Ed McCaffrey when he was with the Oakland Raiders. He played in Denver for so long and was, was a pretty good teammate and a good player. 
He went to Oakland. When they played Denver, he broke that guy's leg in like three places. That's just being dirty, and I hate that, so I hate Ed McCaffrey. Thank you. Hi, this is Jan slash Nana. I want to let you know who my most hated athlete is. It is Yasiel Puig on the hated, at least for me, Dodgers. And if he were ever to be on the Giants team, I could not root for the Giants. I would, or, or I would go to the game, which I've done when he's played in on our field, and I have booed him as loud as I can. Yasiel Puig is my choice. Hey guys, it's Lenny. Hope all is well in Florida. My answer to today's question is Ray Lewis. There's nothing I like about the guy. I didn't like the way he played. I don't like any of his shenanigans. I simply dislike Ray Lewis. Thanks. Have a good day. Stay safe. The sports figure I love to hate is Reggie Jackson for his actions against my Los Angeles Dodgers in the 1977 and 1978 World Series. Keep up the good work, John. Mark, you're doing the best you can. Hey, guys. Dane Becker here. I would say that my favorite player that I love to hate is the Washington Capitals, Alexander Ovechkin. He's a motherfucker. I'll take your comments off air. <laughs> nice work, Dane Becker. Nice work. I knew that he was going to say that. I actually guessed that because I guessed a couple. But uh, I get the Ovechkin thing, by the way, and yeah. I love Alexander Ovechkin. But he is a guy that it's easy to see even on your team that if he were on another team, you would hate him, but you want him on, but you want him on your team. And, I, and we'll get to your comments, Jeff, as well. But the guy, uh, the guy prior to that was Brian Ascari, Chief of the Fire. John, Chief of the fire. Who, he's Chief of the Fire Department, not the who, Fire. Who says, uh, <laughs> leave the good work, and I'm doing, and Mark, you're doing the best you can. I know. He's now he's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah, he's, Dane, he's, he's hilarious. not my favorite. Oh, I know, yeah, because you're a Caps fan. Well, here's not, the thing, though, is that Alex Ovechkin, you hate him because he's so good. It's like the Tom Brady thing. Not a bad guy. Actually kind of beloved by most players and fans in the NFL. I mean, in the NHL outside of Washington. So it bothers me. I can only assume that uh, Dane is a fan of one team. I think Dane's a Rangers fan, to be to be. To oh, well, that, that makes that makes honest. sense, too, because yeah, I think he's uh, a Rangers fan. But I get that with Ovechkin. And I think it don't you think it's better? Don't you want to hate a, a good player? Hating a bad player makes no sense whatsoever. Right, but also, right. but but I feel like if you're going to hate a player, you should, uh, although it seems like this is the trend, but this isn't the way I feel. The player that I hate is a bad person. That's why I hate him. But wow. a lot of the, uh, Sidney Crosby, he's a terrible guy. I have a lot of Canadian <laughs> friends, and you know, he's, he's, he's their guy for the Canadian national team. They don't even like him. He's a whiny uh-huh. crybaby little uh, you know what Dane Dane dropped an f-bomb to to uh go to, for it the, Sidney Crosby is a bitch he's a little yeah. bitch okay. is there anything about I don't like Sidney Ovechkin though that would would elicit that he's a motherfucker 
outside no. of well, outside oh. of the fact that he's really good and and oh. it, it hurts the Rangers. Well, let me just say this. Well, Ovi, does Dane it, have a hot mom? Because I mean, that could potentially be why. Ovi, wow. Here's the thing about Ovi, Mark, and I know you don't watch hockey as much as I mean, so obviously don't know the Caps. Uh, as well as uh, Jeff and I do. But uh, the thing about Ovi is, in addition to being a great scorer and a great player, is he's not afraid to muck it up with somebody. So he's a guy who'll, right. who'll, who'll get physical with you. So it's, I think it's, particularly in hockey, when you have a guy who will do that. And it was hard to hate Wayne Gretzky, even though you hated playing against him, because it, the game was so beautiful. But if you have a guy who not only scores a lot of goals, but also is a guy who's not afraid to uh, you know, take a swing at somebody, that's going to make him a little bit easier to hate. Uh, Esatikinen was one of those players, obviously not anywhere near as good, but he was a guy who uh, could, could do some great offensive things, could play well defensively, but he's also a guy who'd be a little chippy and take a cheap shot on you. So I think that made it really easy to hate him. Sidney Crosby was my second choice, but I really had to go with Peyton Manning because, Mark, you know oh, yeah. that I spent a lot of time talking oh, yeah. about how I thought Peyton Manning was... Uh, Doesn't maybe- matter! Doesn't matter! I thought matter. he was right. I thought he was the third best quarterback on the Colts roster many, many years. No, I know you went. You went after fans because they. I did. I said they, at, they at, were at, mortified. It was inexplicable to them that you would hate him. People complained. A guy complained to our producer at, Dis- at uh, the ESPN Club because I said Peyton Manning sucks. And Peyton Manning's a loser like his whole family. That's like what his, I said. He's I thought you said like his like father. His I mean, like, his I, whole I family. Like old man, but then I think I threw the whole family and except uh, his, Leo Manning, who Leo. Mark and I love. Yeah, his, we're very much so. But his whole family has four fans. Super Bowl rings. What's that? His whole family has four Super Bowl rings. Exactly. He, he does. Pretty, he's not even pretty, the best. He's not even the best quarterback in his family. I'm pretty <laughs> solid. You know what I thought was really one big funny. game to win. You want Eli? I know that's true. That is true. You know, prove us wrong. Uh, what I thought was funny was that there was let me see one, two, three. I think four. I think there's at least four players or people on this list that people hate because of the way they look and right. their face <laughs> is a punchable face. Another Patrick reason Reed to hate Sidney Crosby. A punchable face. <laughs> yes, Patrick Reed, Jeff Garcia got a vote for wow. that. Wow. Former 49er quarterback Jeff Garcia. Doesn't anybody want fresh breath? <laughs> My face, yes. Wiped up on the sidelines. Anybody have any gum? Anybody have any gum? Middle of the game. Gum? Yeah. Doesn't anybody here want fresh breath? I know Sergio <laughs> Garcia. I think got got that a vote because of that as well. He, he was I also considered Payton pretty whiny. A, Sean Payton got a vote for that as well. And you know what? That's my guy right now because I've hated Steve Garvey. I've hated Tommy Lasorda. I've hated Charles Woodson of the Cowboys. I've hated Leonard Marshall of the Giants. These are for all obvious reasons that affect my team negatively. But all that's abated, and I hate Sean Payton right now. <laughs> Wow. I really do. He has a face to me that is so uh, – what, what's the word? It's like he, he just thinks he knows everything, and he gets so <laughs> upset when a call goes against him. So sorry, Sean. Anyway. That's fair. That's yep. fair. I, I mean I, – and I think it's important. You can see it. You can see that. Guys, if anybody says to me, oh, there's nobody in sports I hate, then I'm thinking you're not a fan then. you got to have somebody you dislike that you hate in sports. Mark, I mean, that it makes the love much better. Have you ever heard my Tommy Lasorda story, Mark? I, I don't know. I got onto the elevator at uh, Champion Stadium at Disney, uh, the one that went down to the basement, and uh, Tommy Lasorda was in the elevator with me. Wow. And being right. the massive fan of Fletch that I am, I said, oh, look, it's me and Tommy Lasorda. I hate Tommy Lasorda. 
He Wait, wasn't you said that. Well? Yeah, he was. He he didn't he didn't laugh. He also didn't give me a dirty look or anything. He just sort of ignored it. He clearly got the joke. He uh, he just didn't want to give me any love for it. I thought it was well played. And you're probably well, the three million one hundred seventy seven thousand yeah. person who said it to him. So that's maybe part yeah of it. maybe. And and you got to give that guy a lot of love. First oh, of absolutely. all, yeah. He yeah. And I he, hated the Dodgers. And yeah, and he got them to four World Series. He won two. He won with one of the worst teams ever assembled outside of Oral Hershiser in 1988. Uh, some would argue that the 2014 San Francisco Giants uh, are close to that, but they had to win a lot more games because they had to have the playoff. Great, great um, catcher, too. Great catcher. <laughs> and he, but think about it. He, outside of those couple of years when he was being paid to promote. Nutra sweet or not, whatever that Nutra thin or whatever that whole thing was. A slim fast. That's what it was. Slim fast. Nutra slim. Out outside of the the couple of years he was paid to promote slim fast. Uh, you know he's been a guy with that has done sort of what he's wanted to do in terms of the appetites of his life, and he's ninety years old. Right. You know what I mean? I get well, he wanted to do that because he made probably seven figures doing it. So oh, even yeah. there. It's like I'll diet for a couple of years, and then I'm gonna, then I'm gonna swim in pasta. Hey guys, how much, how much weight do you put on the Wonderlick test? Not much. No, not much. It just uh, was released. A Tua scored a 13 on the Wonderlick, which Out is possible. That's very low. Uh, I think 50 might be the highest. Must have picked the wrong tree when they asked him if you could be a tree. What would it be? Joe Burrow scored a 34. Important. If that gives you any. Uh, Oh God! I can see the flipping yeah. headlines now. Yeah, Good Lord! I was Nate Stanley scored a Historically, what, how that lines up with success in the NFL? The only thing I know about it is that it's typically uh, defensive backs and safeties that score the lowest. For some <laughs> reason, playing the, that position, you do not have to have very much intelligence. Well, it's not an intelligence test, though. No, you're right. It's, it's, a, it's a sociological. There, I mean, there's a lot of if you've read some of the questions on it. And when I said the tree thing, I mean, that is one that's been on it in the past, according to people who have taken it. So, uh, you know, I I wouldn't take two because I'm worried about the injury. I wouldn't worry about the Wonderlick score at all. No, not one bit. I bet you Joey Harrington scored really high on the Wonderlick. It would I'm, be very interesting to, to do a little research on that and to see how it's played out in the National Football League I'll, with I'll a high score it. and I'll, success I'll or a low it. score and, and being a bust. Very interesting. Unfortunately, very effortful. So there's very little chance it'll happen on this pod unless Jeff does it. So that's uh, that's all right. All right. Hey, final uh, clues for the progressive trivia, Mark. Well, we've, we've done all the clues. It's now oh time my for God, the answer. That's it. So run through them one more time. Here we go. He's an NFL player, past or present, went to a school in the ACC. Have played for 13 years and have played with two different teams, but signed with three. Have played. Okay. Mm-hmm. Played nine playoff games, one Super Bowl. I have over 700 receptions. He is active, and he did sign with a team this year. Hasn't, okay. hasn't played yet. So okay. I'll give you that extra, extra hint. And uh, three-time pro-, pro Bowler offensive coordinators he's played for include Mike Martz, Mike Shula, and Norv Turner. Johnny? Larry Fitzgerald? Is not Larry Fitzgerald. That's a mm. nice guess. It's mm. a nice guess. Super wow. Bowl. Uh, I think Larry Fitzgerald probably has more than 700 receptions at this probably point. Probably does. Yes, yeah. Over 700. ACC could be. guy. Yep, he is an ACC guy. I think he's played for more than 13 years, but I don't know. And he's only You're played right for one. That. He's only played for one team. Oh, I thought he played. I thought, mm. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, so, good for you, Jeff. So when uh, I, I don't because I was I was looking at this just from the lowest Wonderlick scores in history. There are two quarterbacks, and neither of them are are uh, memorable in the NFL. Vince Young, who obviously in college was memorable, and Oscar Davenport were uh, the two lowest scoring. I thought he was a welterweight in the '72 Olympics. He Oscar was. Davenport. Didn't he lose? <laughs> yeah. well, that's that's weird. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, Tua, though, I- yeah, again, that's those are the two lowest. So we we I would love to see, you know, who scored, say, below 15 and what their success ratio was. And then who scored over, I don't know, 30 or 25, well, do, whatever. The- do that homework, Mark. Ryan Fitzpatrick weekend. has scored a perfect score or I'm sorry, he scored a 48 on it. So, OK, well, there you went go. to Harvard. Yes, he's very, there you go. very smart. Went man. to Harvard and is uh, has put together a remarkable career in terms of making money. Better career than Trevor Lawrence is going to have. I disagree with you there, big time. At the end of at the end of their careers, I will I will stick stick with the fact that I think Ryan Fitzpatrick will have had a better career than Trevor Lawrence. All right, I think he's going to be a bust, one of the biggest busts of all time. And and again, Andrew, we'll, we'll get to that later. But I don't. Uh, I I wanted to know why you think that. Well, we'll, we'll get into it in the next show, but we, we don't have time for that now. We Mark. don't have time for it. Please tell so, us the answer to our progressive trivia, Greg Olson. Wow. Okay, who's he signed with for this season? The Seahawks. Okay, okay, yes, I did see that. He started with the Bears, went to the Panthers. Wasn't he going to retire even? He He was. He was retiring, and the Seahawks picked him up. That's a smart move by them. Smart move. It is a smart move, I agree. And he played for the U, Miami. Oh, there it is. And uh, 700 receptions. And, uh, yeah, actually, Mike Shula and Norv Turner were both offensive coordinators for Carolina. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Arts was a, a offense coordinator for a, uh, for a year with the with the Bears. So there yeah, it is. The Larry Fitzgerald was a bad guess because of the number of catches. That's why I went with Vernon Davis first because it sounded like tight end numbers. But very good, Greg. Good job. Olson. That's good. why I told you it was a good guess, Johnny, when good. you said Vernon Davis. Very good progressive trivia. All right, so we need to let everybody know what our poll question is going to be for the next show before we get out of here. And we haven't discussed this, Mark, so if you don't mind, I think I'm just going to make an executive decision. Please do. Favorite fictional sports character so your favorite sports character in a movie or a television show is going to be our question and i think of that because you know i watched uh obviously as i mentioned field of dreams but i also caught almost all jeff you'll appreciate this of Slapshot the other day and reggie dunlap is is right towards the top of my list absolutely so that's it We'll get that out on the uh, on the uh, on the website. Also, I will put the both uh, the stories about the the Vegas's uh, win totals, over under win totals for the NFL, and also that great story from Barry Sprugge of the Washington Post about uh, not uh, doing away with low revenue or non revenue producing sports, and instead asking coaches to take a pay cut. I think that's uh, I think that's a good idea, and and I think it's a subject we're going to talk more about. No doubt about it. I love I love that story. He did a great job, Shluga, and um, it certainly led to a lot of it engendered a lot of conversation. So his he was successful in his endeavor. All right, folks, the pod will be uh, by the time you're listening to me. It'll be just later on today. This is Friday as we record. We will be back on Monday. We thank you all for listening. Please rate us. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We promise that this is going to get better. Anything in closing, Mark? I have nothing except that next poll question is going to be a lot of fun. And again, 
We want to encourage you to not only give us your answers via the voice memo at podcastafr at gmail.com, but also if you have any problems with any of our opinions that we expressed in this show, like if you if you think Tom Brady is really a system quarterback and Belichick is the real GOAT in that situation or whatever you may disagree with, feel free to give us a voice memo there as well. We will play it in our mailbag section. Again, podcastafr at gmail.com. That's it, Johnny. All right. This has been After Further Review. For Jeff Taylor and Mark Ferreira, I'm John Pelkey. We'll talk to you next time. Have good isolation weekend, everybody, I guess. Enjoy. Enjoy.